Hello, and welcome to our weekly podcast of Who's Here in the Hamptons. I'm Dan Rettiner, your host, broadcasting from my home in the Hamptons, where I have lived for over 55 years. I've written a dozen books about this glorious place, and I've seen it grow through the years from small tourist towns, quaint fishing villages, and a summer playground for high society, to what it is today, a world-class resort for celebrities, artists, musicians, authors, and billionaires. In my podcast, I will bring you interviews with not only these people, but also prominent local people who have helped shape the Hamptons. Hi, I'd like to welcome to the show Dennis Suskind, who is a well-known figure in the eastern end of Long Island. He's been out here for many years and has helped uh, save buildings that might have been destroyed that have historic value. Uh, He's developed uh, different uh, shopping centers, small things, big things. He's president of the horse show. He's president of the Atlantic Golf Club. Busy guy, aren't you? I wanted to ask you mostly about the horse show and how it's going to be configured this year compared to prior years, or are you planning to run it straight out the way it was? Well, first of all, Dan, thank you. It's nice to be on your show. Uh, the horse, we are planning you know, to do as much as we can. We obviously have to follow the guidelines set by the governor. Uh, but at the moment, since, you know, obviously the horse show is all outside, uh, we think we'll be pretty much the same as we were in, in prior years. There might be less, a few less tables in the Grand Prix tent. There might be uh, more separation in the grandstands, require people to wear masks. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're getting the protocol set and we're just going to wait a little longer to see exactly what the final protocol that we're allowed to have, according to the CDC and the governor. But the show is definitely on, and I think it's going to be really, really a great year. People were very anxious because they didn't have a show last year. Yes. <laughs> I also wanted to talk to you about um, a particular building. I spoke to you about this last week, and now I can't remember the name of it. It's um, one of the big white uh, four-square mansions that border the monument in Bridgehampton. That whole area has been transformed during the. Uh, years that you and I have been out here from basically uh, gas stations on the corners uh, and um, falling apart buildings. And now it's in its heyday as it once was probably around 1900. What, what is the name of that building? I, well, it, was, it was commonly called the, the Hopping House because Mr. Hopping lived in that house and uh, eventually, there was a gas station right next to the house, as you recall. Uh, the town front, was on his front lawn. It's on, yes. Well, I, I was trying to be nicer. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was on the town board, and, and uh, I, I hate this, this sounds self-serving. I sort of led a, uh, a charge to buy the house uh, from Mr. Hopping, uh, which we did, were able to do. And we took down the, we took down the uh, garage, uh, and there's, uh, there's five acres there. You might recall that he had a, he had an arrangement. He had sold the property subject to getting a variance. When he was very very upset in the 1950s when they put in the code that they they uh-huh. made that residential instead of commercial. Looking back, it probably should have been commercial. So the people that wanted to buy it wanted to put in a small shopping center, and they paid him a certain amount of money for three or four years while they tried to get a change. Uh, in the variance, get a variance, which they couldn't get. 
the town then went in. We went in and we were able to purchase the property from him. We couldn't pay him more than a certain amount, according to code, basically uh, appraisals that were done. And with the uh, Historical Society, uh, I, I think we raised $600,000 so we could add that money to the money the town could pay. And we purchased the property. We did plans to turn that part, that extra land into a small children's park, uh, which has sort of not happened, even though we have plans for it. The, the house now has been totally renovated. It looks beautiful. They took down the signs uh, and they, they, they're also working on the interior. So the Historical Society has a long-term lease on that piece of property. The Thank other you. property was originally Martyrs Landscaping Company, and we kept that up really for construction purposes. But then the library had a problem and they, we let them take it over. The town let them use it. They renovated it and now it's going to be also preserved. And that's the short, short story. Well, it's a short story, but I forgot to identify this exact property and I should do so here. It's on the southeastern corner uh, across from Topping Rose. And uh, I went by it uh, about a month ago and they put this magnificent uh, widow's walk building up on the very top, uh, which is gorgeous. And uh, they also, uh, I guess, to the last week or the week before, they took this uh, chain link fence down that had been up for, let me see, uh, you started this in 2008. This took, this is the longest, slowest redevelopment of an important historical <laughs> thing in the entire Hamptons. It took 12 or 13 years after purchase to uh, get it to stop being a construction site and start now looking to be what it once was in its original state. What were the holdups involved in that? What? Why was it such a delay? I don't. I don't take credit for that. I only take credit for for purchasing it. Uh, there's all sorts of. They had, they had to raise money. There's all sorts of regulations when the property is publicly owned about getting bids. Uh, it's a historical building. It needed people that could renovate it, taking into account its historical nature. Uh, I really don't know all the particulars. I sort of lost track uh, after about 12 years. We purchased the property around 2004 when I was in office. Uh, I stayed on top of it for quite a few years. But, uh, you know, the simple fact is the fence is down. It looks beautiful. And eventually they'll be opening it up in, in, in the interior, containing historical data from the area. Uh, any idea when the time frame is going to be? No, I didn't do any research <laughs> before. Basis history, probably another two or three years. What originally brought you out here? You were a partner in Goldman Sachs for many years. Had you been coming out here all that time? or did Oh, you well, yeah. I started coming out here about 52 years ago. Uh, before that, I used to go to Fire Island, but you couldn't go to Fire Island in the wintertime. I didn't like taking the boat every time I came out. And so originally my first year I spent in West Hampton, and then the next year I spent in Bridgehampton and never left. Uh, so I've been coming out about 52 years, and as you know, over the years, uh, I've gotten involved in a, a lot of things, the Peconic Land Trust, uh, the Nature Conservancy, and the two other two that you mentioned. But the um uh it's just the you know it's changed a lot but it's still a wonderful wonderful place to be and really uh i feel blessed that i came out here well we came i think we came out to bridgehampton about the same time 
And I didn't realize it at the time. It didn't seem unusual at the time. But there were, I believe, six gas stations in three blocks, including next door to Dan's Papers, which was in Bridgehampton at that time. And um, they all have gone by the boards as the Japanese came in and said, you don't need gas stations. We'll have cars that don't need to be fixed. And then that got to be the way to go. And now cars don't get fixed much at all. Well, those those gas stations, you know, they did service. Most of the gas stations today just pump gas and sell you milk. Yeah. So it's a different world. Yeah. It was, uh, Agway was out. They had a newspaper out here in Bridgehampton. The, all the farms were surrounding the village. Um, m- much of it was open fields. Some of it still is today. Right. It changed quite a bit. Is that what brought you to Bridgehampton rather than East or Southampton? Uh, what attracted me to Bridgehampton was the, was the openness, was the fact that it was, I, when I think that those days, it was less congested. It was, there were a lot of artists in Bridgehampton. There were a lot of farmers in Bridgehampton. So in my early years, I got friendly with George Stavalopoulos, who was my neighbor, uh, who, owned, as you know, owned the, owned the candy kitchen. So at six o'clock in the morning or 5.30 or six, only the farmers could go into the candy kitchen and they'd sit at the counter. They would serve themselves coffee and Danish and that was it. And I was privileged that he would allow me to come in. I couldn't sit at the counter because that was only farmers. I could sit at a table. But I could not sit at the counter. Uh, and eventually, of course, there was no one sitting at the counter because there were very few farmers. Uh, it was sort of sad, uh, but I think back to those days and that they give me, it's a fond memory. Well, it's, uh, it, it certainly has changed and it'll, it'll, I believe it'll continue to change. Yeah. Well, what are, are you looking forward to getting, are you looking to get into any new projects? Well, I'm pretty busy. Uh, as you know, I'm, uh, you mentioned I'm president of the Atlantic Golf Club. I'm a member of Southampton Golf Club as well, which is very much a locals golf course, even though there are members now who come from the city and other places. Uh, I'm very involved in the Hampton Classic out here. Uh, and I'm very involved in a ski lodge in Utah. Uh, so, and I'm on, a, I'm on the board of a few public companies. So that's enough to keep me busy, plus doing whatever my wife tells me to do. <laughs> you know, you know I, I think that the town has done a r- relatively good job over the years of, of this u- utilizing the CPF fund. that They've taken in a lot of money. In the early years when I was on the board of the, uh, on the town board, we actually borrowed a lot of money in anticipation of being able to pay it back so we could buy land. These days they have an excess of money. So I've been trying to encourage the town to purchase more and more land for open space. There's not that much left. They can also buy historic houses with it, uh, like the Hopping House, uh, and preserve those. And I think that would just add to uh, the quality of life out here as the years go by. So I'm a little bit involved in doing that. And except for those other things, and dealing with my children and my wife, uh, uh, life is okay. When do you start putting together the horse show? Is that a year-round operation now? It's a, year, it's a year-round operation. We start putting together when they form a the prior year finishes, you know, finishing that up, talking to people about coming back, talking about improvements that we can make. Uh, so it really is a year-round function. Right now we're in full blast, you know, talking to people to be sponsors, talking to farms in terms of what the protocol is going to be, encouraging them to come back. Uh, we, we, we're getting a tremendous reception this year. 
obviously, uh, not obviously, but from sponsors who want to come back. People missed not being here last year, uh, sponsors as well as spectators. And the horse shows, you know, as you know, you've been to it for many years, is a wonderful event. You don't even have to like horses. You can come, you can buy an ice cream, go and walk around, watch some kids jump horses, watch some professionals, catch a celebrity walking by here or there, uh, and, have, and leave. It's not like going to the opera where you're stuck in the middle of a row with someone sitting next to you and you can't get up and you really want to. So uh, it's, and it also signifies the end of the summer. So um, all in all, it's a great event. I'm happy to be involved uh, this many years. Uh, I think it helps keep me living. Uh, looking forward to the next year and dealing with the issues that come up. So but the town's been very supportive and uh, we, uh, you know, I think we run a great horse show. You do. I still remember a time, I think it was about a year or two before you took over the horse show, when a hurricane flattened the horse show a week before the event, all the tents and everything blew down. No, actually, I, I was president that year. <laughs> oh, good. Was, that your first, was that your first year? Uh, I think it was my first year, so it was a real, it was a real christening. Uh, the, we had to take, the, we had horses here. The horses start coming in a few days before the show, as you probably know. And we had to take the horses out because you can't leave them in a tent when the hurricane. We had to drop the tents. Uh, and then we had to put them back up. And they did a fantastic job. Every All hands were on deck. And, uh, you know, it was, it, it was a great learning experience. And uh, the, the staff really uh, responded well. Uh, we expect to have about 60,000 people here this year at the show. Uh, so that's... That's a little on the high side for us, but that's how optimistic we are. It's probably the largest event in the Hamptons by far. I would th if you add up the whole week, yes. You know, you know, obviously the first day, local, what we call local day is very busy. One of the great uh, events that we have is on Monday, which we're basically on a slow down Monday. Uh, we, have, we have events that children and adults who are physically challenged or mentally challenged uh, have to compete. And then they can qualify for the show and their classes are judged by uh, professionals, uh, by Grand Prix riders or Olympians. And uh, it's a really a heartwarming event that we can do that. And their responses are unbelievable. I mean, uh, the first year they had it, I actually cried. I hate to say it, but it was it was it was overwhelming. It was over. I didn't know what to expect. But there's a certain connection between certain challenges that people have and being connected to horses when they're riding them way above my pay grade to understand it, but there's a real connection. Uh, and, um, you know, there's all sorts of programs about riding with disabilities and uh, all sorts of other organizations. So that's one of the nice things that we do. Uh, and then, you know, we have competition all during the week. And then as the weekend arrives, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, as you know, we get more and more people. On Sunday, some people just come to socialize and to see who's there. Uh, others come to watch the horse show and enjoy it and buy some overpriced food. You've also it also raises money for Southampton Hospital. I think we give, yeah, we, give we give our profits. We don't we give our profits away to Southampton Hospital and always have over the years and prior years. Uh, we've done some work with the J Junior Diabetes Foundation, but primarily the, the Southampton Hospital is our beneficiary, and they have a presence. What's important to them not only is the money but they have a presence at the horse show where they can show their wares and show what they do uh, and make people available to their services. Well, it, all in all, it's a wonderful show. 
Do you know if Polo is going to be coming back? Or did I, I believe? No idea. Neither <laughs> do I. I have enough problems just doing this. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. I'm talking to Dennis Suskind, who uh, one of the major players out here in the Hamptons who uh, has done a lot of things that have been done a lot of good. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Bye-bye now. Bye. -bye now. Bye.